Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. In the passage that we read, there's a phrase that I want to take a look at, and it's in verse number 18. In verse number 18, it says, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God. That word for acceptable is the same word that is used for the theme verse for our church this year. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So you might think of it this way, for he that in these things serveth Christ is pleasing to God. That makes it clear that pleasing God with faith leads to service. And service that pleases God with faith leads to edification. Because in the very next verse, it says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. So Paul makes it plain and clear that pleasing God with faith leads to service. That service leads to edification spiritually of other believers. The word edification there simply means to build up. It's kind of a construction word. You might think about construction that's been going around here and, you know, some of the houses that are being built. You know, you think about the concrete foundation that is being laid and then you think about the wood framing that goes up. You think about the roof that goes over on top and then you have the siding, you have the plumbing, you have the electrical work, you know, you have to do the floors and you have to do the drywall. You have to do all of the things that is necessary in order to build that house. That all is encompassed in this word of edification, all right? So when we think about edifying, we're thinking about construction, building up, to make stronger, to make useful, to add on to, that is the goal. The goal for us is to build up other believers by our service to God, all right? That's the goal. Notice that our goal is not just to be busy, all right? It's not just to have a lot of things on the calendar. We could just throw a lot of things on the calendar and put something in every week and every month and do all of these things that we might enjoy them and we might get a lot of people to come. But if we have not built up other believers, we have not accomplished our goal. One of the things that frustrates me about, you know, in particular politicians, but I'm sure this happens in other places, but one of the things that frustrates me about politicians is when they say things like, we spent 10 million more dollars on education this year. We love education. All right. What bothers me about the statement is, did anybody learn anymore? Because the goal is not to spend money. The goal is for the students to learn more, right? And I don't care how much money you spend, if they're not learning more, you've not accomplished the goal. Do you see what I'm saying, right? I don't want to be a part of a church where we're just spending people's money and spending people's time if we're not getting the job done. 
We've got to make sure our eyes are on the goal. Sometimes, in fact, busyness is a hindrance to building up. Sometimes a church can have so many different things that we lose effectiveness in the most important things. Right? Edification is the goal. Because if we gather together and no one is edified, we have fallen short of our goal. If we gather to get today and nobody repents of the sin that they've committed, we've fallen short. If nobody comes and is encouraged to continue to serve God, we've not really done our jobs very well. If no one is encouraged by seeing a fresh image of Jesus Christ and desiring to continue to run their race, what are we doing here? If everyone leaves exactly the same as they came, we have not pleased God. It doesn't matter how many songs we sing, how long I preach, how many services that we have, how busy we are, if there is no edification, we have not pleased God with our service. Our goal on this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning and every service as we gather together, is to be able to edify other believers through our service. Hebrews chapter 10 says, and let us consider one another. Let's think about others to provoke unto love and to good works. Let's think about how we can encourage others to do well, to follow God not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The goal of a church service as we gather together is that we all would participate in helping others to be edified. So we need to ask the question, are others edified in our church? Are people who come to our church services edified when they come? So I want to see how we could do that this morning. The first part of which we see the participants of edification. God desires that his church be built up. But who is supposed to do the building up? Of course, we know that it is God who does the building, right? We understand that without the Lord, we labor in vain. That is clear. But in terms of people, which people are supposed to be involved in building up? Is it the pastor's job? Is it the deacon's job? Is it the teacher's job? Who, whose job is it exactly when it comes to building up others uh, in, in the Lord? And oftentimes Christians will just say, whose job is it to build up in the ministry Usually the first answer that will come out of people's mouths is something like the pastor. It's the pastor's job to build up. Whoever's the leader or whoever's the expert, maybe whoever has the most experience in ministry, let's leave that to the pastors and the teachers. And if you think it's your pastor's job to edify or the teacher's job to edify, then you'd be right. Ephesians chapter 4. It says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. God gave to his churches pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, 
for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So if somebody were to say, it's the pastor's job to edify, you'd be right. If it's the teacher's job to edify, then you'd be right. But let's take a look at one of the verses that we read earlier, just a second ago, Romans chapter 14, verse number 19. It says there, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Notice the two words there, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and therewith and things wherewith one may edify another. Who is the us and who is the one of this verse that is supposed to edify others. If you go all the way back to the beginning of the book, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 7, it says that Paul is writing to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. So who is this letter written to? It was written to everybody. It was written to everybody in the church. It was written to everybody that was saved. Who is this letter written to? It is written to all, to every saved individual in Rome, reading this letter, growing thereby. It was written to them that they may edify one another because edifying the church is something God wants everyone to be involved in. I read earlier some verses in Ephesians chapter 4. If you read a couple of verses later in verse number 16, it says, from whom from Christ, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The body is responsible for the edification of the body. All right, that's what it's saying. And who is the body? It is the members of Bible Baptist Church. We are members of the body of Christ that we have called Bible Baptist Church. We all are responsible for edifying each other. That's what God wants. If the, if the body is to be edified, we need every member to participate. We need everybody to be involved. Imagine how effective we would be if every single believer had the heart and mentality, I want to help build up this church. I want to help build up somebody here in the ministry. I want our church to grow because great growth requires full participation. Now, I know that some of you will think, yeah, that sounds great. I would love to help, but I have no idea how. I remember when I was uh, going on my very first missions trip, I was, uh, I'm, I'm from the Seattle area, I went to a church in, in the Seattle area, and we went on a missions trip. And uh, we went to Mexico and we went to Guatemala. We went to these two different places. When we went to Mexico, one of our jobs was we were doing a little bit of construction work. And uh, so we were like, sure, we could, we could do anything, okay? Well, I, I know nothing about construction, but sure, I'm willing to help. Well, I was there with one of my friends, his name was Mike, Mike Cravel, and he was a good friend of mine uh, from the church, and he had long been involved in construction. 
And so he had been on these long missions trips where he would spend not just a couple of weeks, but he, I think he spent like four or five years uh, in Russia as a, you know, just kind of working at one of these mission fields. And he, he learned a lot of construction where he was kind of helping build buildings for the ministry and things like that. And then he came back and, and uh, he was involved in construction. He did a lot of framing. And uh, so that was his job. He was very familiar with construction, knew a lot of different things to do. And so I don't know how this ended up, but it was basically everybody else had something to do. And the only two people were Mike and me. And uh, also there was the pastor of the church, the missionary, and one of the men of the church. So there were four of us there. And so the pastor is there. He's a little bit of an older, older man. And so he's there just kind of overseeing things. And uh, it's the three of us. So this man from the church is training us how to do the job, okay? And uh, I don't even know the proper terminology for what exactly we were doing, but we were basically stuccoing the outside of a wall, okay? And so they had, I don't know if it was concrete or something, they mixed something together, and our job was to slap this onto the side of the wall. Now, I thought, like, oh, okay, you know, you get some tools together, you just put it on there and do whatever. But it was quite tricky the way that they were showing us. And so they had this big, you know, five-gallon bucket of whatever that thing was, and you would take your little trowel, and it was this kind of triangular thing, you would, you would stick it in there and pull some out, and then you would just throw it against the wall. And when you threw it against the wall at a particular angle with speed or whatever, it would look just right. And I thought, hey, that's easy. I can, I can pick it up and throw it against the wall. No problem. That would be easy. Well, it wasn't as easy as I thought because the pastor the whole time was like, no, Richard, you're not doing it right. No, 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 don't do it like that. I was like, what am I? I don't know what I'm doing. You know, do it like Mike. Mike's doing a great job. And I'm looking at Mike like, okay, what is Mike doing? You know, and so I'm trying to be like Mike, you know? <laughs> so he's over there, I'm over here, and I'm like doing it and trying to do it exactly. And after a while, I had to give up. And I was like, you know what? I just don't know what I'm doing over here, okay? I'm just going to come down and let Mike and this other gentleman do the job over there because that's not for me. I, that, I don't know what I'm doing over there, right? And when it comes to things like, oh, we should edify the body of Christ, some of you might be thinking, oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here, you know? Just do it like, you know, brother so-and-so or sister and so-and-so. I mean, that looks so easy. They seem to always know what to say. I never seem to know what to say. But the Bible says that every single one of us can and should participate in the edification of the body of Christ. When you take a look at this word for edify, it's used in a number of different places. 1 Corinthians 14 says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. But he that prophesieth, or he that preaches, he that gives the word edifieth the church. You know what you could do to edify another person? Read the Bible learn the Bible, and share it with somebody else. If all that you do is you come and you say, you know what, I want to encourage somebody by just giving them the word of God, and if the only verse that you knew was John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, I promise you they're going to be encouraged. You know what? God does love me. You know what? God does still love the world. God does still want to save people. 
We also see that sacrificial service edifies. In 2 Corinthians, it says, Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Again, think we, ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. The context here is that Paul is saying, as an apostle, I have the right to expect that you as a church here at Corinth financially support me. But I declined. I worked a job. If you know the Bible, you'll know that when Paul was in Corinth, he worked a physical job. He worked a job. He was a tent maker in order to supply for himself so that the gospel would have a clear message, that people would not say things like, oh, Paul, you're just saying those things so that you could get money from us. He said, I don't want anybody to think those things, so I'm going to sacrifice this, and I'm going to uh, earn my own money in order that I might edify somebody else. He had to make a financial sacrifice in order to support somebody else. We could do that here. Spiritual correction also edifies in 2 Corinthians 13. Therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. You know what you could do as a believer is you could go up to a brother or sister in Christ, you have a relationship with them, and you could just let them know, hey, brother, you know what? You're straying off track. You know what? I saw that thing that you did, and that's not right. Hey, the way that you're talking, that, that's not godly. That's not edifying. We could say things like that. That would help them to be built up spiritually. Speech that is encouraging also edifies. Let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So if you come and you just say a word that is encouraging, that will help edify them. And so when we come together as a church, if we're all going to participate in edification, we should all come with our tool belts ready. All right? Don't leave your equipment in the truck. Bring it with you. When you come into the church service, bring in all your tools because all of us are going to need to participate in edifying. We're in the construction business of the church of God. Whether it's the tool of sharing God's word, maybe you need to correct somebody else, maybe you just need to encourage somebody. We're working here on the temple of God, and we who are God's people are called to participate in this building project. So that is the participation that is required for us to see God's church to be built up. Which brings us to the philosophy. In Romans chapter 15, you have your Bibles there, and 14, go to chapter number 15. In verse number 1, it says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. So the Bible says that our pattern of ministry is Christ, right? Paul is saying, we should do this. We that are strong should bear the infirmities of the weak. We should please our neighbor for his good to edification. Why? Because that's what Christ did. 
So we get our philosophy from Christ. If we want to know how we should do things, what we should do, we go first to Christ. We go first to the Word of God and see what did God do? What did Christ do? What did Christ say? That's our philosophy. And the philosophy of Christ was love. If you go back to chapter 14, verse number 15, it says, But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. He's saying, if you're doing this thing that's tripping up other believers, that's not loving, right? If you're doing something that's pulling people away from Christ, that's not loving. Uh, verse number 13 says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. It is not good for us as believers to leave a stumbling block, they may trip up another believer. So we've got to have the expectation of we ought to come with love for others. And love raises the standard, okay? The law sets the floor, but love sets the ceiling on how high we can build. Galatians chapter 5 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, Use only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. The idea here is that love raises the standard and expectation by which we serve. Because if you had a plumber come to your house to fix a pipe, you would not want them to think, I wonder what I can get away with right? You got a plumber coming over to your house. He, whether he says it or not, you don't want him thinking, I wonder how many corners I can cut before he notices. Before he says, hey, what are you, what are you doing? That, that looks kind of strange. I'm not a plumber, but that, that doesn't look quite right. You wouldn't want your plumber to come in thinking with that sort of attitude, right? You wouldn't want a roofer coming to put shingles on your house and thinking, ah, I wonder if I could, I could steal a little bit over here and, you know, and do these sorts of things and save myself a little bit of money and make a little bit more profit for myself. You would think, I do not want that guy working on my house, right? You want somebody who says, I'm setting the expectation high and I'm setting the standard high. I'm going to do a good job for you. All right? If there's any mistakes, I'm going to fix them. I'm going to do the best job I possibly can. That's the kind of person that you want working on your house. One time we had somebody here at the church doing, uh, doing work here at the church. And part of the job, uh, among other things at the very end, was to paint the walls, right? So you do some work and then, of course, you, you fix everything and then you're supposed to paint it, right? So you paint it. And so they finished the job, they painted, and they left. And... Uh, Little did I know, so on that wall, there was something that was hanging on the wall. What they did was, instead of take the thing down and paint the wall and put it back, they left the thing on the wall and painted around it. <laughs> and I didn't know this at the time. Later, I found out, as I took it down, I looked, and there was a perfect 
cutout of the thing on the wall that was a different color from the rest of the wall. And I was thinking, wow, you really cut some corners here. <laughs> I was thinking, wow, that person really didn't care. They didn't care. They didn't care that that part was a different color. They didn't care that you should paint the whole wall the same color. They thought, well, this is easier for me, right? And I remember being very disappointed in the job that was done. Because when you care about something, you don't settle for, ah, it's okay. It's fine. Care is what raises the standard. Care is what raises the expectation. Care is what raises our attention to detail. And so we have to ask the question, do you care about your church? Do you care about other believers? Or are we just painting around things because that's easier for us? Look, I, I don't want to have that kind of church. I don't want to be a part of a church like that. So let's not have that kind of church. Amen? We have something worth building with excellence and greatness. The Bible says, what? Know ye not then that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So when we talk about we are in the construction business of edifying the church of God, the church is the temple of God. God is overseeing this construction project, and we are the ones laboring to do the building, and God is not pleased when we think, I wonder what I can get away with. I, I, I wonder how far I can go before anybody says anything. Because this is God's building, and the mentality that pleases God is not, what can I get away with? The mentality that pleases God is, how can I be effective here? How can I do a good job? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. What Paul is saying, and he's actually also saying this in Romans chapter 14 and 15, what he's saying is there are some areas where we might have a little bit of a disagreeance, okay? So there are some things in the Bible that are crystal clear, but then there are some that are immature that don't yet have a full understanding of the word of God, and there's some gray areas here, and some people are thinking, you know what, I know a little bit better, and I know exactly where I can set the standard, but you know what Paul is saying here? He's saying... These things are, I'm allowed to do these things, but if I'm involved in the building project of God, I want to raise the standard because this is God's building that we're working on. And so he raised the standard to say, all things are lawful. I know what I'm allowed to do, but I want to do what is best. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, what kind of church do you want? you're a member here of Bible Baptist Church, what do you want Bible Baptist Church to be? 
Do you want an excellent church or do you want a mediocre church? Do you want an exciting church or do you want a dull church? Do you want an effective church or a powerless one? Do you want a church that is loving, serving, giving, praying? What kind of church do you want? No matter what kind of church it is that you want, and I'm sure every single one of us wants this kind of a church, no matter what kind of church that you want, that kind of church doesn't happen by accident. Someone has to build it. And that someone is you. You say, I want an exciting church. Go build it. I, I want an effective church. Go build it. Hey, I, I, I want a church that's got something going on. Let's go build it. That someone who's responsible for building that kind of church is you. And it's me. Let's not go looking for that kind of church. Let's go build it. That's what God has called us to do. God has called for us to build that excellent church here at Bible Baptist Church. Amen? I want an excellent church here. I want an exciting church here. I want an effective church here. I want us to be loving. I want us to be serving. I want us to be giving. I want us to be praying, all of these things. I think every single one of us wants that kind of thing as well. And if we want that kind of church, God has called for you and for me to build it. And that's what God wants us to do. That's the kind of service that pleases God. The kind of service that pleases God is not how come they're not doing their job over there. The kind of service that pleases God is, you know what? I want an effective church, and so I'm going to be involved in construction here in edifying other believers because I want to be exciting. I want it to be exciting here. I want to be effective here. I want to have some excellence here in the church. And so the service that pleases God is edifying other believers so that we might have that kind of church. Which leads us to the product of edification. What happens when God's people participate in edification and follow the pattern of Christ? Well, the church begins to gain victory. You know what happens when, when we all serve Christ in edifying each other? The church begins to grow. It becomes stronger. It begins to step out onto the battlefield and it begins to win. It begins to experience victory. Believers start winning their races and they begin to start winning their battles because the church is growing and it's becoming powerful. It's becoming strong. It's becoming resilient. It's becoming steadfast through the storms, all through the power of God. And that kind of church begins to experience victory. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What we all participate in building up other believers, we become a winning church, a church that experiences victory every day, every week, and every year. And that kind of victory leads the church to grow in its vision. 
Because in verse number four, it says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. God desires for us as believers to have hope in the future, to look forward to things. Now, when your team, if you're, you know, on a, if you're a sports fan, all right, I'm from the Seattle area, so I root for the Seattle sports team. And uh, we have some teams that have done well, and we've had some teams that are on losing streaks, okay? Losing streaks are, for lack of a better word, discouraging, right? I, I don't want to know who we're playing tomorrow <laughs> because we're, we've lost six games in a row, and I'd rather not find out if we lose seven in a row, you know? But you know when your team goes on a winning streak, and you've now won four, five, six games in a row, you're wondering, who are we playing next? I wonder if we can get eight games in a row. I wonder if we can get nine games in a row. I wonder if we can hit 10 games in a row. Hey, I wonder if we're going to make the playoffs this year. Hey, I wonder if we're going to win the championship. When your team is winning, you begin to look forward to the future, and you begin to anticipate things, and you think there are some exciting things ahead for our team, and that's what God wants for our church as well. Well, we begin to experience victory. We begin to look forward to things. We begin to look forward to, hey, I wonder what's going on at the church next month. Hey, I wonder what's going to happen at church on Sunday. I wonder if we're going to see a visitor there. I wonder if somebody's going to be saved. I wonder if somebody's going to be encouraged to follow God. I wonder if somebody's going to bring that friend that they've been praying for, and finally they see some victory. When we experience victory, we begin to look forward to the future of what God has for us. See, we've been talking about, you know what, our church needs a new church building. And we need a church building. We don't, we don't have enough parking spots. We don't have enough classrooms. We don't have enough of the, some of the things that we need here in the ministry if we're going to continue to grow. We need that. Now, I don't know if you've looked around. We've been looking and we haven't found too much. But you know what? God's going to give us a victory in this area. He's going to. Now, I don't know where it's going to come from, and I don't know how it's going to happen, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but I believe that God wants to give us victory in this area. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being able to say, you know what? This is what we've been talking about. And I'm looking forward to standing in the auditorium and you all sitting in this auditorium and looking around and saying, you know what, this is the place that we've been praying for, that God had prepared for us. God gave us this victory. I'm looking forward to when somebody is able to bring over some, hey, you know what, I led over a brother, so this person to the Lord, and now they're a brother in Christ, now they're a sister in Christ. I look forward to that. That's what happens when a church begins to have some victory. They begin to look forward to things. They begin to have some vision for the future. And it gains a voice in verse number six, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The church begins to have something to say, something to share with the world. Something to share to somebody who says, you know what, I'm really struggling with something. Hey, let me tell you about my church. My church has some people that have been experiencing victory in that very area that you're struggling with. You should come. You would be helped. Hey, let me introduce you to a brother who went through just the exact same thing that you're going through. He might be able to help you and share something out of God's word and maybe share with him the gospel. Maybe bring them to the church and begins to have a voice and begins to tell others about what is happening here in the church all because every member of Bible Baptist Church decided 
I'm in the construction business at Bible Baptist Church. And I'm going to trust God that he's going to do something here. And I want to be involved with what God is doing here. And if we follow the pattern of Christ, we're going to see something built. We're going to see victory here. And we're going to have that vision for the future and be able to say, God did it for them. God can do it for you.